The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Will not be uh, the scripture up on the screen, but there, uh, if, if we can get up the text in questions number, because today we are talking about a subject that is of interest or relevance to every person in this room. In Ephesians chapter 5, we are going to talk about sex, baby. Going to talk about, well, I, I'm not, that's adultery if I sing it to you guys, so. But this is what we were talking about. Um, I don't know, because I, I kind of walk and pray and listen as, as Rhea's starting off and the team is starting off the set, so I don't know what you guys heard, um, but it was kind of a, it's been a crazy 24 hours for the Chapel family and our country, so I wanted to just uh, address some really cool things God has done and then pray and then we'll jump into the sermon. Uh, like I said, if you, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the back or you can download the Bible app. We're reading from the ESV translation generally here so you can follow along. But uh, one of our Chapel family members yesterday, and I, I don't want to get this wrong so I don't frighten people. Um, so before I start the story, the child is okay. But one of the chapel family children, one of our worship team family as well, he's one of our guitar players, we were at a birthday party. Child uh, ended up losing consciousness and, and functionally drowning and had to be resuscitated and life flighted to the hospital. And, and the only reason I'm sharing this is because sometimes in our culture, we don't think that prayer does things. So you can call these things coincidental if you want. Um, I know that as I stand here, I am a person of faith, but, but I also, I value science. I value the medical field. I value the skills that, that technology affords us. But yesterday, some cool things happened uh, because Hudson is okay. Um, when the life light was coming, they radioed down and said, we can't pick them up there because the storm is rolling in. And, and at this point, people were already beginning to pray. And, and as this chopper's doing one loop, two loops right over here uh, behind Fishhawk, they, they said the storm just stopped. And then the chopper was able to land. And then the injuries that were sustained by the child when he was uh, having CPR for over three minutes um, should have told us that there were other things wrong with him. Because you generally don't bleed out of certain orifices unless you have brain damage or a skull fracture or a ruptured eardrum. And he was bleeding out of these places, but by the time they got him into CT scans, there was no brain damage, no fractures, no ruptured eardrums. So, so then someone says, like, well, does prayer really work? And, and you can doubt it. We, skeptics are welcome here at the chapel. The reason we do Q&As is so that the most ornery among you can text in your questions. Because I love it when people question. This isn't a place where we just abide by a rule of thumb or some overarching dictatorship. We, we are here, and if there is a dictator, it's only God. And, and sometimes I think we lose sight of these things because in the midst of that all going on, I'm, I'm a news junkie, I'm an, I'm an information overload person. So then I'm watching the news of like gnarly radical racism happening. And I'm thinking like, God, what is going on? Like you're, you're working here, can your spirit just go up there and, and make people's hearts change? Because I, I hate racism, and God hates racism. So now we're in this weird uh, place yesterday where a group of us, a lot of the worship team and the elders here who pray for people, as soon as I got the, the call, I was texting, pray, 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 pray. And then I'm like reading the news at the hospital, what's going on? Hudson's okay, praise God. What's going on over here? Pray for this. And then I'm thinking, Lord, my sermon tomorrow is so weird because it's about sex. But then God said, no, it's not. So I, I sat down last night, and I was praying again and reviewing it, and I thought, oh, man, God, you're so good to give me this sermon for this day. 
Because really, this passage, it, it talks a lot about sex, but it's not about sex. It's all about love. And we hear this word so much because we love pizza, we love our wife, we love this, we love that. But what I, I want us to do today is to reframe a little bit what we think of when we hear the word love or see the word sin. Because we're going to talk about a lot of sin today. And you came to church. So if you grew up in the church, you're going to be like, oh, this reminds me of my childhood. And then all of a sudden we're going to take a left turn. You're going to be like, this is not my childhood church. So I sent out a church-wide email letting everyone know that's on the email list. Today, sexual topics will come up. So if you here have a fear that your child will um, have crazy questions when I start talking about pornography or, or different sexual sin things, now is your time to run. No one will judge you except for the people who grew up in church. They'll all judge you. Okay. <laughs> we're going to pray. We're going to begin. And uh, after we pray, we're going to jump into Ephesians 5. Father, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that the life of the, the Chapel family child was spared yesterday. God, I thank you that you held back the storm. I thank you that, that the areas that gave signs that he should have damage, um, when he got his scans, there was nothing there for them to see. I thank you that today, according to his dad, he's acting normal. Lord, I pray for us here that, that as we talk about a sermon really rooted in what it means to walk in love, that we would do, that we would all do what I did yesterday, that I would hug my children tighter and longer that I would spend time with the people I love and look at them with a set of eyes that sees them as you see them. Lord, we pray for the things going on in our nation right now. It seems like it is a record with a scratch right down the heart of our country. Lord, I pray that, that racism would be dealt with, uh, not, not just in the grand level, but that you would work all the way into each individual, even uh, those of us sitting here, God, Reveal in us if we have a tendency to see people unlike you see them. Lord, help us only to have eyes of love and grace and mercy for our brothers and sisters. Now, Lord, I ask that you would empower us to see and hear your words this morning, that we would walk out of here changed people. In Jesus' name, amen. Therefore, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Everyone say, walk in love. Man, walk in love. I have a, um, a friend, he, he lives in California, but I, I would pick his brain because, uh, about exercise and fitness because this friend that I have, he knows something about exercise and fitness. He was the gold medalist in the decathlon in like the 2008 Olympics. And um, so I would always be like, hey, man, tell me how you train, because I want to be just like you when I grow up. We're the same age. And, um, and he would like say, oh, try this, try this, do this, do that. And I was like taking as much information as I could get from him. And one of the things that I am terrible at is running. I'm terrible at it. So one of the times I was like asking for running tips. And those of you who are runners, like just bear with me. I know this sounds ignorant. So I didn't know that like the density of your shoe foam mattered I didn't understand like the fact that I'm running in basketball shorts that gangbangers wear, that that like hindered me from like reaching optimal pace and speed and all this kind of stuff. So then I, I was like getting new shorts, like those, you know the shorts I'm talking about, right? It's like, yeah, it's like what the Florida old guys wear at the beach, those shorts. Um, and this is a lot of leg. So as I'm running, I'm like learning, okay, this is hard. This has got to get rid of this, get rid of this. And by the end of it, like I got the right pair of Asics. 
and I had those running shorts that were like, man, they just let me soar, just going. And I stopped running like in cotton shirts because lo and behold, cotton is like not the best thing to run in. They've got this amazing t-shirt technology that sucks moisture off of you. Um, and you guys know that because you're apparently Florida people and you, that's all you wear. Anyway, um, so I was learning this. And part of this was like, you know, some of the things I could wear, but they slowed me down. Some of the things, I, I could have worn cotton and run in my giant basketball shorts in my, my literally Laker purple basketball shoes. Like these shoes are made of leather that were like loved by Kobe Bryant from 1994. And they, they're hot and they weigh a pound at least each. And I was just running because ba- I was a basketball player. That's all I knew how to run in. But then all of a sudden he's like, no, no, do this, get rid of this, get rid of that. Now, it's not bad to run. In, in this, I could run in this if I wanted to torture myself. I could, I could go for a walk and run in this in Florida, and I would still be able to run. Most of you wouldn't be able to catch me. Some of you would, but I'm a fast runner because I have this fear from childhood of police officers. Um, so, so I learned that, that sometimes the things that I get rid of, they're not bad things, but they slow me down. And today, We need to learn to walk in love and really take a page out of Hebrews chapter 12 because some of the things I'm going to say, instantly your guard's going to go up. You're going to build walls. You're going to say, don't touch that area of my life. But I need you to know that some of the things that might be brimming in your heart might be placed there by God, and some of them may not even be things that are inherently sinful, but they are things that are slowing you down in your walk. They're baggy pants spiritually. They're heavy weights spiritually. They're a backpack full of sand spiritually. And some of us love those things so much, we're not willing to get rid of it. And my hope today is that you will finally at least be able to identify and say, this is slowing me down. Because it's not today. Here's what today is not about. It's not about me throwing a bunch of sin lists at you and you saying, "Ah, I'm going to do this one, ignore that one, do this one, ignore that one. I want you to learn how to walk today as free as you can walk. So this is what it looks like, according to Paul. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for uh, for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this is how we are to love, like Jesus loved us. He sacrificed, he served, he saved us from sin. We are to sacrifice for others, serve others, rescue others. We are in a rescue operation. And today, when you hear the word sin, I want you to frame it in this way. Sin is valuing non-love. So there are things that are not loving. And we're going to talk about them. And and that's another way of saying sin. For some of you, I say sin and you think bad thing. And and it is bad. But God is love and sin is going against God's character. So anything that's non-love is sin. And this is really important when we get to uh, sexuality. And then in the coming weeks, we talk about marriage. But here's his list. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness, church word, must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Man, okay, sexual immorality comes from the Greek word porneia, where we get the word? Got it, okay. For those of you who don't know what that is, it is a video image or graphic of something sexual. It is so so widespread in our culture that that there is a tidal wave now. And here's the thing I want to tell you. It's It's not just religious people that are saying porn is bad. There are total, uh, there are sites and studies and, and education communities now that are studying the effects of what happens to our brain, hearts, and world when we give ourselves over to a sexual experience or we, we're consuming a sexual experience that's 2D. 
Now, if, if you don't believe me, you can ask me for resources. I was going to put these on the thing, but I didn't. Um, you can go to a website, just jot it down in your notes, Fight the New Drug. You can Google Fight the New Drug. You can Google Covenant Eyes. There are great resources. You can Google Triple X Church. It's probably the easiest one to remember. So if you see that in your web history, like don't freak out. Like if you see like someone's going to a, a pornography church site, it's, it's actually to help you overcome and give you tools because this is what the Bible says. Sexual immorality, impurity, this is moral impurity, religious failings, or covetousness. Now, if we're looking at this list, here's what I know we all do. Here's what I do. I see sexual immorality, and I think, man, that's like a whole sermon on its own. Because the hardest part of, of living where we live now is that we are being taught about sexuality constantly. But we're primarily being taught by the culture, and then the church does a terrible job of teaching sexuality. I know I've shared this before, but I, I, it's one of my funniest life moments because I, I worked at a, a private Christian school teaching middle schoolers, and I wanted to teach them that sex is good. So we created the chant, and I said, when I say sex, you say good, sex, good, sex, good. Now, it went well until the lunchtime when one of my Henri eighth graders got the entire middle school to do it. When I say sex, you say good, sex, good, sex, good. And the next thing was the intercom from the principal. <laughs> Mr. Tarona, please report to the office. I was like, not again, again. I'm out of school and I still get this happening to me. Because here, here's what happens. The church is notoriously bad at talking about sex. Here's what we do. We say, don't have sex until you get married. Be modest. Stay pure. And those are all good things. But, but what happens is we provide no, like, religious theological education. So people get married, and let's say they grew up in youth group. Let's say they didn't have sex, and they didn't learn about sex other than from their health class, like cucumbers and demonstrations. And then all of a sudden they get married, and their whole life all they've heard is sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. And then on their wedding night, whether it's the, the man or the woman, whoever it is, they arrive, and they're like, yeah, let's do it how do we do it? And I know, like, we get it because it's Legos. It works. But, but how often do you hear pastors and churches talking about not just the procreative side of sex, but the fact that God created sex for pleasure? Like, I'm not going to get too graphic, but there are parts of your body which are created by God that serve no other purpose except for pleasure. This was God's idea. Yet for some reason, pastors and Christians get all red-cheeked about it. Oh, I can't talk about sex. No, 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 no. If we don't talk about it here, then the only education and, and information people are getting is from what the world is throwing at us through shows, through music videos, through sex education classes, which are only giving one side of the story. So we have to begin to talk about these topics. But I don't want to let everyone else off the hook because you may be here and you're like, Pastor, I am a model of purity. I never lust after anybody. I never have impure thoughts. All I do is that every day I go home and make passionate love to my spouse. If that's you, keep that winning lottery ticket. If you're the rest of us, and there is this struggle, um, I, I want you to know that we're going to talk about this, but also I don't want to skip over the other two things because the word covetousness is in there. And this is a word that I think flies through the suburbs at the speed of a cloud so it's as ignored as fast as possible. Covetousness is wanting to have more, looking at your neighbor and saying, I want that. 
I want more, 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 more. Sexual immorality, porneia, is wanting more. You want to to have pleasure for yourself. It's all about self-love, and this is non-love toward God. Wanting more is saying, I want to have more so that this person has less. This is a non-love thing. Impurity is saying, God, you are God in this area, but not this area of my life, so I'm going to form my rules so that I am happy. This is another form of non-love. You're either not loving God or not loving others, which is why when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment of all? He said, love God and love others. Every single sin comes out of that commandment. Every single broken commandment, church sin you've ever felt guilt for comes out of the stream of either not loving God or not loving others. Every sin, murder, theft, lying, exaggeration, stealing, adultery, pornography, addictions, alcohol, whatever it is, at some point it is rooted in not loving God and loving others. And and really, oftentimes, it's loving self, our pleasure over and above something else going on in our lives. So he goes on, because... As if I didn't bust everyone here when I said pornography, immorality, or coveting. Because we we live in the suburbs. I covet driving here. Right? I I see a car that I want. I'll covet going out to my car in the parking lot. And you're thinking, well, how how do you not covet? How do you not want a car? How do you not want this or this or that? I'll tell you what. All of you need to trade in your cars for 1984 Oldsmobiles and let me drive a Jetta. And then it will be easier. But as it stands, I drive a Jetta, so I'm the envy of all 16-year-old girls. Okay, they covet my car, I covet your cars. So how, how do we even do this? And then it gets even harder. Like, as if sexual sin isn't enough, where we live in Florida. You go to the beach, it looks like these girls get tangled in a rubber band and go out and tan in it. How do we go out there and, and, and live for God when there's people with better cars and better houses. It gets even harder. Verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talks, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. We've all got that friend who's like the jokester. They are the iPod of jokes. They've got them locked down. And I'm guilty of this. My mouth, my mother tells me, moves faster than my brain. So the problem is somebody says something, and before my brain can rationally grab it, my mouth says, sarcasm, blah, and it attacks. Which is why up here sometimes, if you see me do this, it's because my brain actually said, close the gates fast, so I can have some job security. Okay, this is what happens. But, but how can we even do this? Not, we don't look at porn. We don't have sexual addictions. We don't have this impurity where we seek other things that are not God. We don't covet after other things. We don't even joke about it. We don't have any filthiness or foolish talk. How do we do this? Let there be thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And it goes on. Here's the scariest part of this whole passage. Verse 5, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, who wants more, 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 they have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. 
Okay, so if you're a coveter, sexual, sin, impure person, no inheritance for you, which means nothing. You, you inherit the kingdom of God means you get in. You don't inherit it means you get out. And some of you are thinking, well, I've been coming to the chapel. You're the grace guy. You say God loves you and it's free gift and you come by faith. Yes, you do. And here's where the, the, the circle comes all the way around. I'm going to read a couple of other verses here. Because in 1 John 4, 8, it says, anyone who does not, uh, does not love does not know God because God is love. So here's the thing. If we know God, if we are loved by God, we will grow in our love for God and others. This doesn't just mean the frilly-dilly affections. Here's what it means specifically in these other areas. So let's, I'm going to take the sins that are listed here. Sexual sin. So whether it's looking at somebody else that's not your wife or whether you're unmarried, and believe me, I know this is hard. I know that I sound like an archaic monster to some of you. But this idea that God created sexuality, that he made our parts to fit for pleasure and and procreation, both not separate from each other, that God said, and I'm going to give you a way to do it that's amazing. I want you to have sex with your spouse because there's a, a way that this displays my love for my people. There's no intimacy that I've experienced like sexual intimacy. So when we break that covenant with a person or when we go out and we give pieces of ourselves to other people, we're, we're breaking it. But here, stop right here because here's what happens right now. And I, I've, I've done this. I've had it happen to me. Instantly, the level of shame, my shame barometer is rising up in this room because some of you are thinking, this is me. I've done it. I always do the look. I, I'm addicted to this. I look at this. I keep doing this. I can't stop this sin. I can't, I can't stop This is me. I get no inheritance. Is that what I'm hearing? And I I want you to back all the way up. I want you to exhale. Because what God says is that he is love. And then he says in Ephesians 2.8 that you are saved by grace. That's free gift through faith. So you believe that God gave you a gift of salvation. And then he puts his spirit in you to do good works. But the good works aren't what save you. God wants to do the whole process with his power. So, Ephesians 2 says, you will not boast. So now you say, okay, so am I in or am I out? Because that's what people want to know here. People come here because they've lost hope or they need direction or they want to connect with God and the spiritual realities of life. So when I say something or read something like this, that says the sexual sinners, impure people, coveters, no inheritance, it's terrifying. But we have to remember, this is in the same book that says you are saved by God's free gift. And this God is a God of love. So this God wants to grow the level of love in you so that next time an image pops up, it's not a question of this is bad, don't do it, bad, bad you. Because for me, it's always been a battle. For me, when when I was eight years old, there was a neighbor that made wood and rubber stamps in the neighborhood where I grew up. It was like a little alleyway in in North County, San Diego. And this neighbor did some atrocious things to the neighborhood kids. It was a man in his late 60s. Everyone loved him. Everyone knew him. Everyone trusted him, including me, until the day that he brought me into his house and put on a video cassette and pulled his pants down. Now, by the grace of God, nothing happened to me. He didn't touch me, but, but he scarred. There was a scar there at the age of eight. 
There was a scar there because he was touching himself. There was a video there. I had never seen anything like this. And then from then on, everything in my head just kept going. And from then on, I struggled but didn't know how to process it. And, and then when I became a follower of Jesus, I, I told God probably hundreds of times, God, this is the last time that I look at this. This is the last time that I do this. This is the last time. And there was just shame upon shame heaping up. And some of you are feeling that shame right now. So we need to come full circle in the Bible. God loves you and saves you. In Christ, Romans 8 one says, there is therefore no condemnation. So if you're feeling the weight of condemnation, but your faith is in Jesus, cast off the weight and then say, God, I've got a broken love problem where, where I'm giving myself to things that are lesser versions of the love I was meant to have. But it gets hard because now it's, it's not a matter of, of looking at this thing and saying, bad. It's a matter of looking at it and finally saying, man, this is where I'm, I'm not loving God and not loving others. This is the way that when I, I give my love to a screen or I give my love to wanting a house or a car, I'm not being content. I'm trying to position myself to be the center and God of my life. I'm, I'm full of self-love, not other love. And this is why sin tricks us so easily. Because Satan, sin, your, your own sin nature that dwells within, wants you to reduce your life to a series of lists of do's and don'ts. Because you can manage that and you can give yourself a better report card than if you measure it by how much love you are outputting toward God and others. And it becomes a very different game. So now at, at the beach, it's not me going there to just run from sin. It's me saying, how am I going to love my wife and my God? I remember when my daughter... Um, who's four, by the way, got her first um, bikini. And as a former legalistic youth pastor, I made my wife print out the return label as it got opened. She was like, look at this. And I was like, look at that. (laughs) But I grew up in beach culture. So I grew up in San Diego. I lived in Hawaii and now Florida. I'm just suffering for Jesus all over the place. And, And as a youth pastor, I used to say, to the girls, when we're going to do this thing, will all the girls please wear one pieces? Otherwise, you're going to cause the guys to stumble. If you grew up in church, this is probably a common refrain. You're like, oh yeah, I heard that. You know what that is? That's, that's using shame to try to grow holiness. Guess what never works? Using shame to grow holiness. You can use shame to grow obedience. You can use guilt and shame to do a lot of things. As a matter of fact, every time I get up here to do the offering, I try to tell myself, don't use guilt and shame. If I wanted to pay down this building, I could terrify you and say these gnarly things. And if you don't give, you won't get. If you don't give, God won't bless you. I could be up here in diamond cufflinks every day. But I don't because I want you to have lasting change. And I can't shame you into that. I can't say, don't do this, girls, because otherwise the men will struggle. I am 100% sure that it doesn't necessarily, like there, there are things we can do. We should love each other that way. Modesty is a value and a virtue in the Bible. But, but rape is still an issue in Islamic countries where women are very covered. So there's a heart issue that has to change. 
And, and I'm not saying like, oh, this is an appropriate bathing suit. That's not, I'm not that pastor anymore. I'm saying as a family, pray and say, how can we love God and love others? Because I'll be honest, I'm going to Italy on a little getaway with my lady to celebrate 10 years shortly here, and I'm getting one of their bathing suits. <laughs> You're welcome. Get that out of your mind. No, I'm just kidding. Don't lust. No. And I mean, no one lusts after me except for my wife. Where are you at? I want to I blow a kiss at you. Hey. So, how, how are we going to start reframing sin, because some of us have made those promises to God. I'll be content, God. I won't lust anymore. I won't look at porn anymore. I won't look at other girls anymore. I won't have this affair. I won't do this, 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 this. We've got to reframe and say, God, help me grow the love that you've already put inside me and help me stop quenching it down. Help me to walk as you've created me to walk. If you need help with this, if you need help with an addiction, especially if it's, if it's the sexual addiction side, there are great resources and if you, I'm going to post them on the Chapel Facebook page. If you have questions about them, you can email me, text this number and say, can you send me the site and I'll send you the site. Great information. If you are a parent in here, um, in anticipation for getting to this portion, I, I wrote a blog post on how to have the sex talk with your kid. And then I wrote a follow-up post of how to deal with all the tech in our world with your kids. So if you need those things, text me, um, Google it, you'll find it, I'm sure. So here we go. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. We should have full words, not empty words. For because of these things, all of these, these lack of love, these non-love things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The sons of disobedience, remember, are people who are not loving God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. So they have settled for lesser things. Therefore, verse 7, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Now, partners is this word for like fellowship. We use it in the church. It's called koinonia. It's a nice little word that churches like to put on things because it sounds smart. Um, it just means like grabbing arm in arm, walking life with. So this is a, a, a paradox a little bit in the Bible because God says, go reach people. And then here Paul says, but, but don't partner with these people. And this can be difficult for you if you've, if you've been partnered biologically, matrimonially with somebody, you're partnered with them, and they're walking in darkness. It's hard. It's hard to walk when, when the person that's next to you wants to walk a different direction. I've, I've been there. I get it. It's, it's difficult. It's heart-wrenching. The reason why Paul is saying this is, you know, for something we, we talked about at Band of Brothers yesterday just briefly in one of the side conversations, that, um, that we should go to reach the nations. Absolutely. But I am not called to go into strip clubs to reach the strippers because of the parts of non-love that were broken in my past. I hope somebody is. And I hope it's primarily heterosexual women. Like if I'm being just pragmatically honest. Unfortunately, what we've done as a church is we've taken verses like this and just said, we're not going to have anything to do with anybody like that. You're, you're the, you're the foul-mouthed person. You're the, the skimpy-wearing person. You're the stripper. You're the this. You're the that. And we've created this big old safety bubble like those games that teenagers play. You know the giant inflatables where they run into each other? Boing, boing. 
and they've got this bubble of protection. That's what Christians look like in the world. And then, not even that, we see them, and we read the next verse. It, it talks about exposing. It talks about exposing them. Take verse 11, jumping into verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works in, of darkness, but instead expose them. Now, here's the thing about that. It doesn't mean go and hammer them with judgment. Because if somebody is outside of the church, they're under God's umbrella. We're not to go over to Cool Beans and secretly mock and judge people who have had three pictures of sangria. Unless you happen to be married to them or they're part of the chapel family, like care for them, love them. People would, uh, would constantly tell me, um, because w- the church has changed and churches ebb and flow. One of the things, and we're going to talk about this in coming weeks, is the concept of alcohol. And, and I remember, because as a pastor, we get this magic skill. When you graduate seminary, this amazing thing happens when you graduate seminary. No matter where you are, if you have a cup of alcohol in your hand and someone takes a picture, it just disappears. I don't have a picture of me with alcohol unless I've intentionally posted it because it's a gift that we get to be super pastors. One of the things that happened early on is that I went to, uh, I went to this club where people were rapping, and it was in Ebor. So yes, your pastor has been to Ebor, and I listened to hip-hop music. I hope I, lo- I got some cool points. <laughs> All the people from like, the, the country of Lithuania are like, you lost cool points. <laughs> I-, I was there, and, and people were drinking. And, and someone wanted to say, look, somebody posted a picture on Facebook and they tagged the chapel family and there was alcohol everywhere. I said, yeah, what kind of people did you think I was coming for when you moved me here? The drinkers, the broken. And it was almost like the, the people that were mad couldn't see that Bible story of Jesus saying, I came for the sick. I came for the broken. But as a church, we read passages like this, and we prefer one passage to another. And the Bible even says we would do this. In 2 Timothy, it says, The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own needs. People do this all the time. We call it church shopping. I get it. I've done it. I've been there. But we go around, we we church shop, and we we say, I like this about this church. I don't like this. He's to this. They're to that. This to this. Music to this. Blah, 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 blah. And we, we set up our bubble, and we find the bubble that is most comfortable to us, and we just sit there, point at people, sneer, walk out and covet, go home and look at pornography, look at our wives, hate our kids, whatever it is, but we got our bubble. This word, expose, it, it should be framed in take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Take no part in the unfruitful works of non-love toward God and others. Instead, be light. Light doesn't have to try to fight against darkness. It just wins. That's it. And God saved you and put light in you. And now what we do every time we prefer non-love, we're putting up shades over parts of our life so that light is getting blocked out. All we need to do now is say, God, I'm so sorry. I've I've been putting up this non-love shade. Help me to just be light. And then go, 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 go. And that's how we expose it. We don't expose it by walking around, looking down our nose, saying, yeah, you guys. We expose it by coming and loving people and serving them. We expose darkness not by hammering our way with sledgehammers, but by coming in 
with the grace and tenderness that Jesus found you. Because some of you today are thinking, I want to inherit the kingdom, but I am so addicted I can't overcome this. Some of you today are thinking, how do you even stop the coveting process? Here's what I do. Is that I, when, when I sin, which is often, I turn to prayer and I say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you that you died for this sin. And as some of you have heard before, I, I'll pray that even sometimes before I think I'm going to sin so that hopefully I don't sin. Sometimes I'll pray for the object. If it's a lust sin, I'll say, God, thank you that you died for that person's sin and for my sin that's trying to well up within me. God, help me be light. Help me be loving. So, take no part in these It is shameful to even speak of these things that they do in secret. We don't need to talk about them, but instead when we get together, we should be in prayer and thanksgiving and rejoicing. When anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Today, in regards to some of these sins, sex, coveting, impurity, I want us to do a couple of things. I'm going to give you guys homework. Are you ready for some homework? If you're married, I want you to go and have sex sometime relatively soon. (laughs) But I don't want you to just go and have sex and say, my pastor told me to have sex, I should do it. I want you to Remember and see and maybe go read through Corinthians uh, chapter 7 or Genesis 1 and 2. Say, God made you for me and me for you. Let's worship and be obedient to what he has called us to do. There's a whole book about sex, the Song of Songs. It doesn't just talk about the act of coitus. It talks about oral sex and romance. It talks about the guy starting with the wife's eyes. It talks about tender romance and he kisses down her stomach. I mean, this is God's inspired, holy word. I know some of you are like, becoming a Bible scholar today. Take that note. We're going there. It's going to be weird when you get there because you can't use the same pickup lines. If you tell your, your significant other that their teeth are like freshly shorn sheep, they're not going to jump your bones, Okay. <laughs> Don't tell her that her neck is the Tower of David. It's not going to be a turn-on in our culture. (laughs) So do that, but but see the God love and others love in it. Have sex to love the other person more. That's something that we need to teach uh, really culturally still. I think a lot of our teenage boys, young men, like sex is not purely for your pleasure to terminate on yourself. This is something that is often jeered about among the young teenagers and younger men, adults, that it's all just about the conquest, the pleasure. You you have sex and you you got your prize. That's self-love, not other love. If you're here and you're unmarried and you're like, thanks for giving everyone else like the best homework assignment church ever gave out. Um, Here's what I would hope you would do. That you would, that you would take all of that energy, because God made us sexual beings. And we, in our culture, have stretched out adolescence so far that now biology and hormones kick on when you're like somewhere between 11 to 13. And then in our culture, we've said, you, you get married at the earliest at 
18, and really like the average is somewhere in the late 20s, early 30s now. So we've stretched this out. So God starts the engines, biology, ring, and then we're like, but wait. And as we tell people to wait, we say, wait, the church says, wait, and the world says, free sex on the mobile devices everywhere, instant access. What do I do? I, I don't have the easiest answer for you other than this. Have someone to be honest with and take that energy and direct it toward good because this may be a shock to those of you who are single. Married life is not like a 24-hour sex party, okay? And, and as a former youth pastor, I used to have people that would come to me, I can't wait to get married, I can't wait to get married to have sex, I can't wait to get married to have sex. In the same line, I say every time, getting married to have sex is like booking a transatlantic flight because you're craving peanuts. Don't do that. Because marriage is complex and beautiful and good, but there are still sexual energies and tensions that exist in us all the time. God created us as sexual beings. We are not beings that happen to either like or dislike sex or want more sex or not want sex. We are beings who innately within us have a desire for attraction toward intimacy, whether it's with a spouse or even with our friends. There is a draw for us to be in relationship. This is what love looks like. And when we push people away, that's what non-love looks like. When we break intimacy and we try to short-circuit these things, this is where heartbreak comes in. If you're here today full of shame, come to God and say, God, let me be who you've made me to be. Let me be light. Paul's quote on the end of this, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Some of you need that today. If you need those resources, um, I'll be posting them on the chapel Facebook page. If, uh, if you answer, ask questions or if you have questions, I will answer any questions you text in. So let me pray. We will get to the offering and Q&A. Father, I thank you. Help us, Lord, to arise from the dead in Christ. Help us, God, to put sexual sin to death by the power of Jesus. Help us, God, to be content with what you've given us because you are our dad and you know what's best for us, even though we don't always see it. God, you have crucified, you have killed the non-love. Too often we pick it back up. Help us to leave it at the cross and pursue a life of love that reflects and emanates purity and modesty and sacrifice and service and giving and the pouring out of ourselves to the benefit of those around us and the worship of your name. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.